You're listening to Astroscope, astrology podcast by Mark Lerner and Great Bear Enterprises. This podcast is sponsored by Buzzword Consulting and Forfame.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome to part two, which is our podcast number 36, since we started these podcasts in the spring of 2019. This is part two of what I'm calling the coronavirus, China's horoscope, and astrocycles. Today is February 13 of 2020. It's about 7, 12 p.m. out in the West Coast of the United States. Oddly enough, I just happened to look at what are the energies right at the moment. Rising out here in the great state of Oregon is 13 degrees of Virgo. And in the last podcast, where I focused a tremendous amount of attention on China's birth chart, from October 1 of 1949 at 3 p.m. in the afternoon, 3.15 p.m., Beijing, China, Saturn on that day in the birth chart for modern China is 13 plus a Virgo. So I happen to be having the rising sign at this moment being Saturn from 1949, October 1, when modern China came into existence. In that previous podcast, we have five different charts. The chart for modern China, its secondary progress chart that goes back to December 10 of 1949, and there are various new moon and full moon charts, um, which we often have in our global hotspot area on Great Bear Enterprises for the new moon and the full moon where we have world maps and we have the charts calculated for Washington, D.C., the capital of the United States. But in this case, because of the coronavirus that's now spiraling around the world, I happen to redo the Capricorn new moon chart from December 26, 2019, and the Capricorn full moon chart from January 10 of 2020, as well as the Aquarius Leo full moon chart, which just happened um a week ago, yeah, not even a week ago, all those three charts calculated for Wuhan, China, the originating point. So please, before you listen to this podcast, number 36, go back to number 35. It was the longest podcast I've ever done. I happened to do it, if you know some astrology, at the time of my Mercury return. People have Mercury returns, just like the sun comes back every year at your birthday, what's called the solar return. A lot of people get readings from astrologers, or we have a report that you can order from our astrology shop. It's a solar return report where it gives information for the sun coming back. When you celebrate your birthday, the sun is coming back, and there's an energy field for the next 12 months in your life. So those that kind of report is available um, computerized report, if you know your birth time, your day, month, year, the place of birth, look into getting a solar return chart. Well, um, it turned out that the when I did the first part here, Mercury was returning. Mercury in astrology has a lot to do with health. It has a lot to do with the signs Gemini and Virgo. In fact, all 35 of the previous podcasts, if you go through what we've done here, uh, particularly about the four main asteroids, series, Pallas Athena in particular. The first 17 podcasts were about Pallas Athena, which I mentioned in the last um, podcast. I read from Eleanor Bach, the great 
um, asteroid, particularly an astrologer who focused on the four main asteroids. Um, and I quoted from, from some of her material about the power of Pallas Athena, not just having to do with knowledge and wisdom and problem solving and strategizing and mental genius, but also, as well as justice, but also about the immune system, the human immune system that Pallas Athena is so connected with, DNA, RNA, genetics, the genetic code. So you want to pick up on all of that in the last podcast. So tonight, um, what I want to do is I'm presenting, and we have two charts, two new charts, for the World Health Organization, which was founded on April 7 of 1948 in Geneva, and on our website, there is the sunrise chart. I do not know the exact time. I don't think anybody probably out there in the world as an astrologer knows the exact time. But if you go to their website, if you go to Wikipedia and to various different sources, it will indicate that the World Health Organization, uh, and there's a reason why I'm doing this, obviously. Um, in the last podcast, the focus was on China because of that's where the new coronavirus is originating from. And also later in this podcast, I'm going to, I have downloaded 50 or 60 or even more stories day after day after day since I did the last podcast. And even when I, before I did the last podcast, the stories are just unending. I've never downloaded from a whole variety of sources. These are not fake news sources. They are places like the BBC, Reuters, the various American sources as well all from around the world. There's a South China Morning Post uh, area from their journals. So this is a wide variety of information that I get from. It's not from one area, liberal, conservative, or anything like that. I happen to use what's called smart news. I don't know if any of you use that, but one of the advantages of smart news is it doesn't, it isn't a whole bunch of stories coming from left wing, right wing, center, whatever. It's from all over the spectrum of different sources, and that way you get a, um, a wide sampling of ideas. And each day I'm getting several different things. So if, if I see a bunch of stories that are fairly similar, the odds are that most of the information there is going to be um, the same. Whether it's all accurate, that's another question because periodically a day goes by and things are changing. We'll get into all that. I'll give you some titles of some of the most powerful stories that have come up just in the last week or so about uh, from different resources and different places of how things are going as, as this coronavirus is spreading and how the officials and people in China as well as the CDC and the World Health Organization are trying to deal with this. Now, at any rate, back to the charts that are presented. The World Health Organization, I have a sunrise chart for April 7 of 1948 they're founded or they're located primarily in Geneva, Switzerland. And also, since I do global hotspots with a world map and various other charts every two weeks on the Great Bear website, which is our focus on astrocartography or astrolocality, I'm going to be watching relative to the coronavirus every single time I do a global hotspot, what are the lines of energy? What's rising, setting above and below at new moons, at full moons and eclipses or any major alignments? Is anything going right through Geneva? Because that's going to affect, even if we don't know, since we don't know the time of birth for the World Health Organization, we can still extract a lot of information from the chart I have here, which we'll talk about um, in a few moments of what I already see, some of the key points here. 
Plus, what I'm not showing is the secondary progress chart for the World Health Organization. That's actually for June 18 of 1948. And if you go back to a lot of the work that I've done with these different podcasts, I've talked about what are called secondary progressions. In the last podcast, I explained again how we find it. There are different progress systems. There are progress systems related to the sun's emotion, what are called solar arc progressions. Particularly, the great astrologer Noel Teal focused a lot on those and many other great astrologers. There are other kinds of progressions, minor progressions relating the moon and the sun. There are tertiary progressions in particular related to the moon. Secondary progressions are the main progress system that has been used, particularly in Western astrology, in the last several hundred years, and they go back a very, very long time, and we get a lot of fantastic results. So I will give you that information, but I did not publish at this time the progress chart for the World Health Organization, partly because if we don't know the exact time for any particular entity or organization, then when you do a secondary progress chart, if you don't have an exact time, you can give a little bit of misleading events, however, uh, misleading information. However, in general, what I have to say about the progress chart for the World Health Organization, as well as the transits that are happening recently, now, and in the near future, this is all going to be significant. And anything I'm going to say is going to be bona fide or real based on the fact that the World Health Organization does have a founding date, and it is on April 7 of 1948, and therefore, in general, we can understand the secondary progressions. Keep in mind that secondary progressions are more of the deeper emotional, psychological, even spiritual unfolding or expression of what was founded at the, at the point where the birth chart was created for that organization or person. The other main chart is for the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, otherwise known as the CDC. And I did talk about something in the last podcast that was kind of eerie, that if any of you have been watching The Walking Dead over all these years about the zombies and this, uh, this disease that comes out of nowhere, nobody knows exactly how it would happen in the, in the storyline. The odd thing is that whole story or that TV show uh, which has been running for many years now, was filmed in Georgia, and I believe it was at the end of the first year because I watched that episode at one point. Um, they go into Atlanta, Georgia, which is which is where the Centers for Disease Control and Pre Prevention was founded and is located. Again, they came into being July 1 of 1946, and so the chart for sunrise for the CDC is presented as well, and I will be talking about their progressions, which are for September 13 of 1946. There's a lot of interesting things there, and in uh, again, in the last podcast, I mentioned that in many ways, it is very eerie and unusual that in a show like The Walking Dead, where the question becomes like, where did all this come from? How do we how do we resolve this kind of strange things that's making people into zombies? They wind up going in Atlanta, in Georgia, and particularly to the CDC at, in one or two episodes. It's pretty fascinating. So again, we have that. Oddly enough, today they are uh, somebody has found out that a Dean Koontz novel from 1981. Dean Koontz, like Stephen King, is one of the great horror science fiction writers. Dean Koontz, in particular, even more than Stephen King, has produced like 70, 80, 90, 100 novels, very prolific. Apparently, in a book called The Eyes of Darkness, 
he actually wrote this novel, 1981, which goes back, what, uh, 39 years now? And so this is going to get a big read. People are going to be wanting to read this because the whole story is about a coronavirus that comes out of China and not just China, Wuhan, China, the same place, and that it's more of comes out as a, uh, a biological weapon, but then things change and so on. Well, at any rate, I'm not going to give you the whole storyline, but that just came out today from two different um, writers or two different places. And so I'll mention that later when I go through the list of the main stories, but that's just coming out today. And people often, you know, talk about various movies that might come out or books that are written. And we often have this. They even mention in the storyline, there was, and this is a true story as well. This is not, this is not fake news, but in 1898, somebody wrote a novel about a giant ship that sunk that would be sinking or might sink in the North Atlantic. In fact, they gave the name the Titan to this great ocean liner. Well, then what happens 14 years later after from 1898, we have 1912, the Titanic is built on its maiden voyage. Interestingly enough, at the time of a void moon, and I believe with Mercury retrograde, if memory serves correct, but definitely a void moon, the night of April 14th and 15th, 19. 12, it sinks and thousands of people die. In fact, I did a whole connection between the sinking of the Titanic in Welcome to Planet Earth, our great pioneering uh, astrology magazine on Monday in Earth Astrology that was in print and went around the world for 20 years from in the 1980s and 1990s. They did a whole cover story called Timeline to War, linking and doing a lot of research on the sinking of the Titanic as well as the assassination of the Archduke Franz Ferdinand of Austria-Hungary that led to the start of World War, uh, World War One, and then some other events that happened, uh, the Hindenburg exploding before World War Two, and so on. So it is pretty fascinating to look at these different events um, that are international and that connect together. So um, in a moment, I'm going to give you more of that information, but. I just want to say this, um, as we go through this particular podcast, again, you should not just listen to this one first, you need to go back to the previous one, because that's the longest one that I did, and at that particular time, I was able to really focus in on China's birth chart, the transits, the new moon, full moon activity that goes back to December, as well as January, including February, a chart that I did not give out, but which I mentioned, was for what they call their Lunar New Year, which took place on um, January 24th. I believe that's the date there. I don't want to give out, yeah, January 24th uh, with the sun in Aquarius. And one of the things about that chart, by the way, um, showed a whole bunch of energy in Wuhan, China, in, the, in that new moon chart, um, which is what they use for the Chinese New Year. Um, the sun and moon coming together in either late January into February. So their new moon energies are either in Aquarius or Pisces, just so you know. This goes, goes way back to, in Chinese history. So what they call their Lunar New Year, and by the way, one of the problems that happened in this whole situation was that half the population of Wuhan had left. Uh, then they discover the... the uh, coronavirus, and then they quarantine the city. So you have like an area of 11 million people and even more, you know, 
maybe 50 or 60 million people in the whole province, if you include other towns. And all of these people have gone on the move to other areas in China. Of course, their population is something like 1.4 billion now. Both China and India have enormous populations, so all kinds of unusual things happen. But these coronaviruses, in particular SARS um, and some of the other uh, flu bugs and bird flus and so on, Part of the reason they come out of China has to do with these wildlife markets and where people often are not doing the things that ought to be done. So we've got this amazing country of China with so many different people, but there's all kinds of ways in which they're still from rural areas and in certain kinds of markets, they are doing things that, shall we say, wouldn't be uh, kosher. They wouldn't be all pasteurized. They wouldn't be using a lot of the Western techniques. Now, China has changed enormously since SARS, which was 18, 17, 18 years ago. So when some of the outbreaks were happening 17 years ago and other time periods with bird flu and so on, China's roads and their transport and their communication systems, remember this is an autocratic country. It's, it's fundamentally a dictatorship, even though they're incorporating more and more capitalist techniques and it seems like a, a westernized country, their government, it's all authoritarian. And this is where so many of the problems have come in, where the different doctors and different people who are trying to report and hospital staff, we don't know what's true and what isn't true. And one of the big issues that just changed in the last like 48 hours was somehow the Chinese government recalculated how they are giving out numbers of who's infected, who's died, and what the incubation periods and so on. So this is why I've had to download dozens of stories. Now, one other reminder, I come from a medical family. My father was a general practitioner. He delivered over 600 babies in his life. He was an amazing person. I mean, I, I looked up to my dad enormously. Um, his older brother, my uncle, was also a doctor. They both served in World War II. My uncle in Europe, my dad in, in the Pacific. And we were very close family. And two of my cousins from um, my uncle's side of the family, two boys, became doctors. So uh, I didn't become a doctor. That's another story. I was fascinated with all of that. When I became an astrologer, I was actually going to take uh, to go to medical school. I was taking pre-med classes at Columbia. I mentioned this the last time at Columbia University in New York. And I decided, in a sense, and I'm saying this symbolically, to become a doctor of the psyche, doctor of the soul, doctor of using astrology and metaphysical techniques rather than medical. And so I changed everything I was doing and created a whole furor in my family, but eventually it was the right thing to do from a higher destiny standpoint. I mentioned also the last time when I got into astrology, one of the main books I got, which I don't have anymore, was this gigantic, thick, hardcover compendium of everything having to do with medical astrology. Hopefully it still exists. At some point, maybe I will get it again. I know the author's last name was Cornell. Um, and I don't know exactly the spelling, but it's probably like, like Cornell University, similar to that. And I have been involved tremendously in my life with supplements and vitamins and all kinds of research from doctors. And as a child, my dad constantly took me into waiting rooms and hospitals and areas back um, in New York City and in, in Queens, the borough of Queens where we live. And so as the only son or boy within the family, going around with my dad and seeing everything he did with medical, uh, medical work, 
uh, this was a big deal. So I find it really fascinating to do this. And I mentioned last time, there is an article in our Earth, um, Earth Aquarius section on the front page of Great Bear Enterprises, our website. If you look at the tabs on the top of our website, uh, all the way toward the right, you'll see Earth Aquarius News. That was actually the name of our previous website. And in the Aquarius News section, which has goes backward several years, there, there is all the way through, you'd have to get to like the fifth page of that section. I did this article about Ebola. And so that will give you an example of using astrological techniques to research something that was all the way back in the 1970s. And I wrote that about six years ago in April, but it's still something that people would find very fascinating. In fact, if you know of any medical researchers, they, they should take a look at that. Um, so it, this is in a, in, a, in a way equivalent to what I used to do myself and other astrologers uh, for Welcome to Planet Earth when we were researching particularly diseases or illnesses or outbreaks of different kinds of things. Okay, so the China chart I want to connect up now to the World Health Organization as well as the CDC. Now, um, one of the things I mentioned, which was very interesting with the CDC, let's actually, well, let's, I will deal with that in a moment because I did talk about that a little bit having to do with the global hotspot that was the last one we did where the Neptune line um, at the last um, global hotspot that I wrote about, which was the Aquarius Leo full moon that just happened several days ago, the, the line of Neptune under the earth was going right through Atlanta. So you can, you can listen to what I said about that the last time. And that is causing for me concern that the CDC might not have a whole lot of tremendous clarity. So I will be watching these kinds of things. And if major planets, particularly challenging planets, wind up rising, setting above or below at a new moon, full moon or eclipse, and they're going through Atlanta, then that's going to affect um, the clarity and focus of the CDC. If they're going through Geneva, uh, celestial bodies that are very powerful or groups of celestial bodies rising, setting above or below through Geneva, then regardless of whether the t we ever know the time for the beginning of the World Health Organization or the CDC, those places are getting affected. And if those towns or cities of Geneva and Atlanta get affected, then anything that is centered there, a headquarters, is going to be influenced. In some cases, it may be positive. There might be an enlightening energy of Mercury or the Sun or Venus or Jupiter or whatever planet. Uh, Chiron has a lot to do with healing matters tremendous amount to do with healing. And we'll get into that uh, in this reading as well. And I've talked with, about Chiron and its healing properties a whole lot and has many other esoteric energies, uh, as well as Mercury, the traditional planet ruling Virgo and having to do with the Caduceus, uh, the whole area of medicine in general. Okay, so um, let's take a look at this chart for the World Health Organization. And oddly enough, I just mentioned my dad. My dad was born April 7, 1915. And this is the first time I ever looked at the World Health Organization chart. And what do I find? It, it was born, started April 7, 1948. And at that time, my dad had just come back from the Philippines after World War II. He would have been 30, 33 years old in 1948. And the World Health Organization starts with his birthday. So I find this to be pretty uncanny that all this is happening. 
Um, now, in this chart, what is really fascinating to me is there's a tremendous power energy in, in the fire sign. So that's good. I mean, if we're, if we're looking at can the World Health Organization, which has its challenges, I mean, it's, it's been doing all kinds of things over the last 72 years. Okay, we'll be 72 years old uh, this April 7th, which is coming up soon. By the way, April 7th apparently is World Health Day because of the foundation of the World Health Organization on April 7th of 48. So that organization, which, by the way, let's not forget, it's part of the United Nations, whereas the CDC is part of it, part of the federal government of the United States. So we've got these two different organizations. And part of the reason I'm presenting this is like, whatever is going on with the World Health Organization and those people and their ability to send teams of people to Wuhan or to other areas in China. And of course, we now know there's, there's the, the, the uh, I forget the name exactly, um, the princess, diamond princess ship, uh, cruise ship off the coast of um, um, Japan. Uh, near Yokohama, and there are several thousand people in there, including many Americans, and there are dozens of people who either have gotten the virus and then have been taken off, and so there are other cruise ships, and you may have seen stories about that. So all of this creates this kind of nightmare effect. You know, how fast is this thing moving? How how uh, virulent is it? How many people might be infected? Um, how se how severe is it? The, how is it transmitted? All of these things are crucial to determine how difficult it's going to be to get a eventually some kind of medicine, some kind of vaccine. And even if they can get a vaccine, and I'll report more about that, when would it be ready? How quickly could you test it? And so on and so forth. So the World Health Organization is a sun sign Aries entity. And one of the things that's fascinating already is there's only one other celestial body in the sign of Aries for the World Health Organization. It's Pallas Athena. And Pallas Athena, as I said the last time, and through all the incredible research of Eleanor Bach, the great astrologer, who also, at some uh, point in time, she wrote all a bunch of articles for Welcome Planet Earth and on the main asteroids, including two articles on Pallas Athena. And I want to be able to actually do a kind of audible communication about what she wrote for Welcome to Planet Earth. Uh, so you can learn more about it um, from her. And she was a genius with, with all these areas about how the asteroids in particular affect what we might call mundane or Earth astrology, affecting nations and humanity as a whole and the entire planet. And that was one of the great gifts that she had. Um, so right now, as I have looked at this chart, Pallas Athena is exactly squaring the Pallas Athena uh, from April 7 of 1948. So this is very interesting because the World Health Organization is facing this enormous challenge. And as most people know in astrology, a square of 90 degrees, and that's the exact alignment that's just happened in the last 24, 48 hours. It's still very strong that Pallas at 10 plus of Capricorn would be exactly square to the World Health Organization Pallas at 10 plus of Aries. And again, the fact that the, the sun sign for this organization, and again, connected to the UN, is the only other celestial body in the sign of Aries. Now, there is a grand triangle, which is often considered um, a very inspirational pattern. It's somewhat theoretical, but in nature, but it has all kinds of potential to be an enlightening organization. 
So in the, in the chart for the World Health Organization, we find a triple conjunction and a lot of people who were born in 1948, including the state of Israel, which came into being a, um, a month or about five weeks after the World Health Organization. Um, we have, um, in fact, another thing that's very interesting is only a week before the World Health Organization came into being, Al Gore, uh, former vice president of the United States who ran for president the year 2000, had more popular votes than, than Bush. And then after the 36 days through the Supreme Court, let it all go and didn't become uh, president of the United States, but had been vice president under Clinton for eight years. Uh, Al Gore was born at the very end of March of 1948. So some of his outer planets are very much in the same area. So also will be the state of Israel, which came into being May 14, 1948. So when you look at this chart, if you're in astrology, you might see, oh, Ju Jupiter elevated. And again, this is a sunrise chart. So I'm doing it for the symbolic moment of the sun rising. A lot of other astrologers sometimes will be do a noon chart because the sun would be overhead, particularly if it's an organization and you don't know the time. So some astrologers do that. I usually prefer to do the sunrise as a kind of archetypal chart. But in this chart, there's a triple conjunction of Mars, Pluto, and Saturn in Leo, trine in a flowing relationship to the sun and to Pallas. And then there's another trine going up to Jupiter at the top of the chart. Now, one would say it's a weak angle because it's not exactly what we call 120 degrees to the Jupiter part, but there is still in essence a grand triangle in fire signs. So I would see that as fairly positive in terms of the energy field and the dynamics of the World Health Organization and all the different people and the leadership wanting to find these various cures over the course of time. Now I'm not going to go through every every alignment here. That, that would not work out here. I just want to point out a couple of things. I do find it interesting, though, that on the day that the World Health Organization came into being, there is a series opposition to Chiron. Okay, and this is very important because Ceres in this chart, uh, the, the symbol is the backward C with a cross under it, is located in this chart for sunrise at 23 plus a Taurus. Well, guess what? That's the discovery degree of Ceres, the largest asteroid, from when it was founded um, on January 1 of 1801 by a Sicilian astronomer, Piazzi. And he thought he had discovered a planet. And now we know, <coughs> excuse me, that after many decades, if not almost, let's see, almost 200 years, where it was considered um, a um, an asteroid, it's now been raised up just as Pluto was lowered from a planet to a dwarf planet, Ceres, the largest asteroid in the asteroid belt in the solar system between Mars and Saturn, has, has been raised up to a dwarf planet. So the Ceres energy is important because Ceres has a lot to do with all the mothering, nurturing energies. Uh, we might just say mother, mother Earth, Mother Nature energies, so much connected to land and to agriculture and to farming and things like that as well as rural areas where a lot of the the problems of these coronaviruses are coming from these areas that are more rural where you do not have um, advanced scientific methods of of keeping things pure where bacteria and viruses can get out of hand so it is interesting that Ceres is at its own discovery degree and that can only happen every four to five years because that's the cycle of Ceres through the zodiac 
And what's exactly opposite Ceres? Chiron, the K with the circle in the eighth house of this chart at 23 plus a Scorpio. And this is a very exact type of pattern. So this would have been active all that day of April 7th of 1948 it would have been developing the day before it would be still active the day after so this is a major what we call polarity or opposition and opposition patterns they're not necessarily bad but they do represent this this back and forth kind of polarization and we might we might say a kind of struggle and Chiron is considered the wounded healer, and not just healer physically, but emotionally, mentally, and spiritually. Chiron having a lot to do with shamanism and mentors and uh, keys that open doors to higher consciousness. I've reported before, Chiron to me has a lot to do with the twilight zone, strange levels of time because of where it orbits in the solar system between Saturn and Uranus and Saturn to the ancients and up until 1781 was considered the outermost planet. And then we discovered Uranus at the um, in 1781 in March in Bath, England, which creates a whole, not just the Revolutionary War ending by the end of that year, by October of 1781, uh, Washington defeating Corn Cornwallis in Yorktown. That year is revolutionary because America wins its war for revolution against Mother England and the British Empire. At the same time, Uranus is discovered and we realize there are planets or potentially other entities beyond Saturn. This is what really shakes up. It's not just the astrology field, but creates in a sense the industrial age and all kinds of other things that proceed afterwards. Well, Chiron, when it was discovered in 1977, was uh, is. And this is another thing I mentioned, it's actually discovery position is three plus degrees of Taurus. And I mentioned the last podcast that just happens to be where Uranus is located now and has been over the last several months while this whole thing was incubating in China. So we have the Uranus, the planet of radical change and revolutionary energy and higher intuition and lightning, lightning like realizations, as well as shocks, surprises, things that are unconventional. Um, Uranus is now at the Chiron discovery point, and, I, and again, this is affecting the chart for China, because China has its moon rising at three plus of Aquarius. I pointed this out the last time. The progressed Venus in China's chart is at three plus Aquarius, and when all of this sort of came up in the last week or two around the world, this asteroid series hit three plus of Aquarius, and meanwhile, the slower moving Uranus is at three plus of Taurus. Hold on one second while I have a sip of water here. Okay, so um, in this particular chart, now remember the World Health Organization is part of the United Nations and we know our current president, President Trump, is not exactly a supporter of the United Nations for a whole bunch of reasons. Okay, we're not gonna get into that. But it is interesting that the sun as at 17 plus of Aries in the World Health Organization chart. And that's exactly opposite Jupiter, which is stationary when President Trump was born on June 14 of 1946. So just the fact that the United States has not been a supporter under the Trump administration of UN organizing. And we also found out recently because the president, our current president, is not exactly a friend to the previous president. We, I think we all know that, whether you're a supporter of Donald Trump or certainly if you're not, that ever since President Trump came into, into office, one by one, he's tried to negate or overrule everything that happened under Obama with his deal-making and 
trying to create different deals, whether it's taking the United States out of the Pacific uh, Trans Partnership or NAFTA and so on, as well as healthcare things and so on. Uh, and one of the things that occurred recently is the is the idea of of overturning various kinds of um, monies within the federal government to provide for disease control and things that would go to the CDC and other organizations because this was something that under the Obama administration and probably under the Bush administration as well um, was given more money in case we were going to have these problems which have developed since both of those um, during the eight years that President uh, Bush, uh, George W. Bush um, was president from 2001 to 2009. That was when uh, SARS happened and other kinds of things. And, and the CDC, RCDC, and the World Health Organization, part of the UN, needed to be supported. Same thing under Obama, uh, President Obama. So now our president, current president, taking away funds and taking away funds from, from organizations connected to the UN and also potentially to the CDC, which we'll get to in a moment. When you take away funds from, from our, our government, not giving them as much money, then you affect their research teams, their abilities to do what they need to do. And when we have a, a, a bloated so-called defense budget of $750 billion, where we say it's our defense budget, but what it used to be was the Department of War. It was always the Department of War since the time of Washington. And one of the main uh, secretaries was the Secretary of War. And we called a spade a spade. That was it at that particular point, uh, the Secretary of War. We didn't say it was the Defense Department. It was Secretary of War because the United States in its founding needed to be, very, you know, watching what was happening, whether it was England or France or or uh, pirates, whatever it might have been, uh, attacking the United States. And it wasn't until um, 1947, the National Security Act under Truman, that we suddenly had our Department of Defense. But now this has increased, let's see, for the last 73 years since 1947. That's also where the CIA was established as part of that. Uh, the CIA had a, had an um, uh, an origin of a different named part of the government. But the CIA also began from that National Security Act under President Truman. Now, I'm not saying President Truman was a bad guy, but they, they, they decided to shift the name of the Pentagon and that department from being the Department of War and having Secretaries of War. They wanted to create a euphemism. So let's, hey, let's call this, you know, the Defense Department. But the point is there's $750 billion and it's nobody really ever talks about it almost anymore. Because if you talk about it and say, hey, let's decrease that by 100 billion or 200 billion, then they'll all there'll be this outrage on the part of conservatives or people. Oh, we need to you know build more weapons. We need to sell more weapons to our allies, like supposedly Saudi Arabia, or where, wherever our allies are, Israel and so on around the planet. And the truth is, and this is not fake news, regardless of what the Russians are doing, the Chinese, the North Koreans and Syrians and the Iranians, which is substantial around the planet to disturb and create all this terrorism, the United States is spending far more, way more, I think it's considered like 10 times more than all the other countries combined of what they spend in terms of mili military weapons and all kinds of ammunition and advanced weaponry 
of various kinds around the world. So anyway, back to our storyline. Pallas and Neptune are almost exactly opposite in the World Health Organization chart. So that's another polarity. We've got Ceres opposite Chiron, which I just explained. An unbelievably powerful opposition or polarity in the World Health Organization chart, which to me is basically showing the struggle going on. Oppositions do represent battles or polarities or struggles or jousting of planets in the in the heavens, shall we say. So Pallas with the sun, but Pallas at 10 plus of Aries is opposite the outer planet Neptune at 11, 11 plus of Libra. And that's that's within one degree of the zodiac as well. So since Pallas is genius and innovation and knowledge and information and problem solving, that's Pallas Athena is fundamentally a very wonderful celestial body and as one of the great original asteroids discovered in terms of its mythology. And again, I advise you to go back to 17 podcasts that I did, the first 17, about um, the United States' secondary progressed sun and the United States' secondary progressed Pallas Athena coming into their first conjunction ever, sun and Pallas, in the history of the United States going back to 1776. They had never been together before until we hit last spring and summer, which is why we had the whole Mueller investigation and all this um, strategizing to protect um, our voting system, to prevent another incursion from Russia and or other countries uh, into our voting systems, because Pallas Athena has a lot to do with knowledge gathering, intelligence, information, basically knowledge and wisdom, but it is also a protection device as I'm saying, through immunology, the DNA, the genetic code is, um, as Eleanor Bach explained, in terms of the human body, in terms of the country as as a whole, we also need national intelligence systems to protect us from things that could go wrong. Again, incursions, hacking, different kinds of things, people getting into our nuclear facilities, our water supplies, and again, our voting systems. Uh, Vesta, I've also mentioned, a lot, and I've also done a couple of podcasts on Vesta, going back to a magazine article that I that we had a cover story, which is the shadow of, of Vesta. Vesta as an asteroid is again very powerful in terms of safety and security, home and hearth, uh, investment uh, issues, as well as sisterhood and brotherhood issues. But it also happens to rule secret organizations, um, occult organizations. Um, and that's where there's a connection at, at certain points to the United States, Vesta connected to the Vesta for the Third Reich. And I did a whole cover story about that and read from that uh, in two of the podcasts. Vesta is returning in the United States chart and about to return for the third time since last summer. So sometimes the work, the energy of Pallas Athena and Vesta get connected to each other because Pallas Athena is a protector of the those areas that have to do with safety and security for the United States. And so we, we have a kind of intelligence system, a knowledge system, a wisdom system, um, as well as an immunolo- immunological system of protecting who we are in terms of America and our country and our institutions. And what we're also protecting is the safety and security, or we're using a strength and a reinforcement through Pallas Athena 
and that knowledge and wisdom to make sure the country is safe and secure, which is related to Vesta. Okay, so um, there's also, you see some strong Pisces in this chart. Um, Juno, the asteroid Juno, you'll see in this chart for the World Health Organization at four plus Pisces. Interestingly enough, that's exactly Mercury when I was born. And my main teacher in astrology, Dane Rudyar, one of the great astrologers of the 20th century, uh, was born with Mercury at that same place. And that's where the next new moon is. So that's probably why I'm picking on that. So the next new moon, which is, let's bring that out because I'm not putting that chart out. The next new moon is February 23rd, a Sunday coming up in a couple of weeks. Again, that's 10 days from now. That new moon is at four Pisces 29. So that's going to be exactly on the Juno position for the World Health Organization. Well, why is that significant? Juno has a lot to do with whether we're creating peace and har harmony. It's a peace and harmony advocate when the energy field of Juno is working well. It's a civilizing energy. It has a lot to do with keeping relationships, key relationships and primary partnerships strong and empowered. Um, Juno has a lot to do with fairness and, um, and balance. Uh, in relationships, uh, labor organizations working um, in harmony with, um, in a sense, the, the positions of corporate power, um, the need to be able to balance those out between leadership and um, the, the higher echelons of different corporate or business organizations and the, and the employees. So that kind of level of connecting back and forth. Um, there is a shadow side of Juno, though, because it's, of the four main asteroids, it's considered it's the smallest in size and is of the first four, Ceres, Pallas Athena, Juno, and Vesta. So uh, Pallas Athena, the Ceres, Pallas Athena, Vesta are bigger than Juno. Juno is smaller. And Eleanor Bach talked a lot about the meaning of smallness because she explained that just because it's small doesn't mean it's unimportant, just as uh, we know the President of the United States, because he's born with Jupiter stationary, talks a lot about things being huge and a big win, Jupiter being the largest planet. So when a person has Jupiter stationary and not moving, they often, um, not saying always wrong, but they will often tend to want to exaggerate or enlarge things because the Jupiter principle does represent that. Now, um, smallness, though, is important because things that are little or things that are small can be just as significant. We know that with, for instance, why does the Challenger um, blow up? Why do we have accidents? Often we find things, um, whether in cars, think of all the, um, the cars that are recalled, all the different brands of cars, they come out. Everything is wonderful. It looks beautiful. You know, this new style of whatever different car and different brand. And then we have these recalls, seat belts not working and so on and so forth. Um, so many different products that come out are often, supposedly they're tested. Same thing with the pharmaceutical industry. How often is something tested? And over the course of time, we often find something has to be recalled or it has to be withdrawn from markets until they figure out what's going on. So we assume that people are doing really good testing and often not. So this is very interesting also because not that Juno necessarily relates to medicine, 
But when we're trying to track down microscopic organisms, viruses, and looking under the microscope in different organizations who need financial uh, support. So I find it really fascinating that in this chart, Juno is getting struck by the exact next new moon. And that's all over the planet. doesn't matter whether we do the chart for Wuhan or Washington or anywhere else or for G Geneva. So I'm just saying the new moon is definitely... Uh, the next new moon, Sunday, February 23rd, and all kinds of insights can happen between now and then. We've got 10 days, and with the level of stories that have come out, um, anything could be flourishing then. And I will mention, I will probably get to this story. I'm going to try and read you some of the headlines from all the things I've been downloading so you get a sense of what has been going on. I mean, a lot of you may be doing the same kind of thing, but maybe not to the extent that I've been doing them of downloading these stories. Interestingly enough, though, and I'm not saying the sunrise chart has to be valid at all, but the full moon after February 23rd, which is another powerhouse because it happens on March 9th, which is the same day that Mercury, which will go retrograde in a couple of days on February 16th, Mercury goes retrograde. And if you've listened to my podcast, The Truth About of Mercury Retrograde, while a lot of astrologers will fault Mercury retrograde or blame Mercury retrograde, I have a completely different take on it. Not that I think it's all good. There's definitely things to review and reflect and reevaluate when Mercury's retrograded, uh, when, when it's retrograde, but it's not a bad planet or anything like that. So there's a lot more to it. So Mercury retrograde, uh, Mercury will go retrograde on, on February 16. And that is actually a good cycle for research in many ways. I'm sure a lot of astrologers will agree with that as well. When Mercury is going retrograde and in a sense going in counterpoint to the sun and moon's always forward going motion, then Mercury gets very strong in its own sphere of influences when it's retrograde. That's one of the things I mentioned in the truth about Mercury retrograde. When planets are going retrograde and basically saying to the sun and moon, look, I am going delving into my own sphere of activities, whether it's Mercury retrograde three times a year for three weeks, or Venus retrograde for six weeks every year and a half, or Mars retrograde for about 80 days every two years, or the outer planets, particularly Jupiter, Saturn, Chiron, Uranus, Neptune, Pluto, they go retrograde, Jupiter goes retrograde for four to almost five months, but four plus months every year. And the planets from Saturn outward to Pluto are all retrograde five out of five months out of 12 months, and you hear nothing uh, about, oh my God, Neptune is retrograde. How often do you hear that? Well, that's significant too for Neptunian principles, but you don't hear any outrage. You don't hear any people blaming Neptune when people's creative imagination or their ideals are somehow getting corrupted or weird because Neptune's retrograde and we're blaming Neptune or Pluto retrograde for the underworld issues or uh, will, purpose, and power issues, or Saturn regarding fear and pessimism uh, when negative or when it's strong, representing perseverance and hard work. So this whole area of retrogradation is, is just out of hand, whether it's uh, astrologers in the beginning spreading information about this is bad or negative and so on. So hopefully I'm trying to set the record straight in a lot of this. As you know, or many of you know, I've done astrology now for 47 years. Pretty soon it'll be 50 years if I can live that long. And on March 9th, so the next full moon will be the same day that Mercury goes direct, which is very interesting in and of itself, that it happens the same day as a full moon. And that full moon will take place at 20 degrees of Pisces and Virgo. And at sunrise 
on April 7, 1948, as the World Health Organization has its foundation, the moon had just passed over that spot. It's at 20 plus of Pisces. So if we if this chart becomes more valid, shall we say, over time, if which it, it does have a validity because it was sunrise, it was the start of the solar day, that's for sure, then the fact that the moon was there and the fact that on March 9 we'll have Mercury going direct, which is an empowering event in and of itself. So now we've gone into transits that are coming up in the near future. Um, there are many other things we could spend a lot more time of new moons and full moons the rest of the year about the who, the world health organization chart or what we might call the who chart but here's one of the more amazing things and then we'll go on to the cdc in the secondary progress chart for the world health organization that we go to june 18 of 1948 okay because that what's happening is that's basically approximately 71 to 72 days if i got this right here yeah 71 to 72 days um well we'll, we'll be 72 days after April 7 of 1948, each day after birth is equivalent to a year of life in secondary progress analysis. Well, guess what was happening on June 18, 1948, which is what we're saying is the progressed energy field of the World Health Organization as it deals with this crisis, particularly out of China. And not just this crisis. Remember, we have flu, we have regular influenza, and as a lot of people are pointing out, while we're worried about the new coronavirus and whether it becomes a pandemic, how serious it's going to be, how many people in the world, and everybody is frightened about this and hoping that solutions can be found, we've got tens of thousands of people in America who wind up losing their lives from the flu, particularly children and older people, because either they didn't get a flu shot or their immune systems are too weak, and, and therefore, the cycles with the charts, whether an individual's progressed chart or natal chart. And I reminded you all, we have a four asteroids and Chiron report, which you can order. Um, it's not that expensive from our astrology shop, where we have 15 different kinds of astrology reports. And they're also samples, so you can see what it's like. You can read about a famous person with a particular kind of uh, chart. Skylog reports are the, the best reports that we have available. They represent your transits and progressions, whether you order for six months or one year. Some people all, all, uh, prefer timeline reports. These are a lot cheaper than getting an actual consultation with me or with any other astrologer. And they're done very, very well, and they've been out for many, many years. But with these reports, um, particularly Skylog or transits, um, or timeline, excuse me, Skylog or timeline, you really need your your birth time as well as month, day, year birth, and of course, city and state and country of birth in order to get an accurate Skylog or timeline report for either six months or one year. So again, I'm not much of a marketing, I don't like doing marketing and advertising, but because of the state of affairs of what's going on, people are concerned about their health, and obviously this is going to affect travel, it's going to affect economies, and so on, uh, which I'll mention, very fascinating with some of the storylines is not just the area of health and you know what to do if something happens or the difference between the common cold and the regular flu versus what, what, what this is and how long incubation periods are. There's some other ramifications that are really crucial to take a look at that could affect uh, trade between the United States and China and China and the rest of the world because they supply an enormous amount of pharmaceuticals 
as well as different kinds of equipment in hospitals. So I'm going to read from that, at least the, the headline of that, and that just came up in the last 24 hours. I found that was really fascinating that people aren't talking about that and the implications of what that can mean if suddenly we can't get the medicines that we need to, it's not just medicines about having to do with flu, it's other medicines. China ha happens to give out a lot of different kinds of medicines and we can only get them from China, assuming that they are pure and not, as we know with the whole situation with fentanyl and so on, we have this whole other issue with opioids and fentanyl and things, whether in Ohio and Kentucky and all different places in the United States of what is a real drug versus what isn't a real drug or different kinds of things that are adulterated. So there's that whole crisis through the Federal Drug Administration and other kinds of things. Uh, I don't want to bring up a can of worms there, but China is the origin point for a lot of equipment. You often see everywhere you go, made in China, made in China, made in China, whether it's iPhones and other kinds of things, and not just that, but a lot of machinery and equipment that is used in in hospitals and clinics and other places, as well as pharmaceuticals. So this is a big deal. If China starts having problems and their people are not going to work and we don't know who's infected and who isn't, and there's, there are clinics that are locked down or research areas that are locked down in China because the thing gets out of hand and that could affect um, economic kind of things. So there are ramifications of all this way beyond whether people are going to get sick from it or not and vaccines. So June 18th, 1948, Sun conjunct Uranus, exactly at the, at the together at 27 of Gemini. This is an extraordinary kind of thing going on here. In the natal chart for the World Health Organization, there is a wide square, if you were using sunrise, of the moon conjunct Mercury in Pisces, which is pretty much in the 12th house area of this chart, which would represent things like hospitals and research about getting cures regarding illnesses and diseases. And it's they're squaring Uranus at 22 of Gemini. By the way, the Uranus position in the World Health Organization is the Mars position in the United States birth chart, 22 Gemini from uh, July 4th, 1776. It's also squaring the Neptune position uh, from the United States birth chart, which is at 22 plus a Virgo. So the World Health Organization is a powerful chart. It's not all that, it's not all negative. There are a lot of positive features for the work that it's doing. But here we see that in the progressive chart in particular, uh, Sun conjunct Uranus, a kind of revolutionary or radical series of vibrations that are now coming into being. So this was already in a sense foreordained uh, that on the deeper level, based on progressions, that the World Health Organization, as we would get to this time period, would have a Sun-Uranus encounter that had never happened before in its 72-year history, and then won't happen again for over 300 plus years. So Uranus with the Sun can represent this race to understand through kind of an intuition of what's going on, but it's also the shock waves. Uranus is not the easiest planet to deal with. So while it could represent enlightenment and inspiration, different research, it's certainly in the sign of Gemini. And interestingly, it's uh, this conjunction is, is fairly close to opposing the Jupiter energy 
in um, the World Health Organization chart. So what will happen is in two years, the progressed sun, the secondary progressed sun and the World Health Organization will be exactly in a polarity to Jupiter in the World Health Organization natal chart. Another thing is, uh, you mean, uh, since you're not seeing this chart, I'm not publishing it, I just have it for research. Mercury and Venus are both retrograding in that progressed chart. And, and they've been retrograding for a while, which to me can be good because it can represent not falling back or negativity, but where the planet Mercury, which has a lot to do with medical and health research, and Venus, which has a lot to do with social activities among people. And again, this is a big deal. In the previous podcast, I was talking a lot about China's Venus at 19 plus of Scorpio being opposite our Vesta at 19 plus of Taurus. So, and, and again, so many of the other connections between China's birth chart and America's birth chart, where China has Ceres conjunct Neptune at 14 plus of Libra and our Saturn is 14 plus of Libra. Uh, and a whole bunch of other things going on between China's chart and our chart. One other thing that I uh, almost forgot about, the sun of the World Health Organization, this is a permanent link. The World Health Organization sun at 17 plus Aries is right on the north node, the the orbit of the moon in a northern direction for China from October 1, 1949. And I think this is really important because the World Health Organization, while it's working on other kinds of things like Ebola, malaria, yellow fever, the different things that it's worked on, other outbreaks of, of different diseases, anything that could happen on a planetary level. The, the fact is for, the, for them to have to deal with China very often with these outbreaks of corona type viruses, and flus. The sun, again, for the World Health Organization as a permanent enlightening force and illuminating force uh, on top of the what's called the mean north node of the China chart, as well as the true node, where the, some people use a true node position, other people use a mean node. I've articulated about this. Uh, Robert Han, one of the great astrologers, he introduced this concept of the true node for centuries the nodes were a mean average position, always going backwards in the zodiac. The nodes always go in reverse. There's a north and a south node. They look like little horseshoe figures in the chart. They are basically how the moon's orbit is intersecting with the Earth's orbit around the sun. They have a lot to do with fate and destiny, and they do fundamentally move retrograde if you're using what's called the mean or the average position. But then about 30, 40 years ago, Robert Han, one of the great astrologers of American researchers said, wait a minute, hey, I've discovered the true node. There's actually a true node. It doesn't always go in reverse. And then he worked with that a long time. And you'll see in ephemerides that we have now, there'll be the main listing is the true node. Okay, the true north node will be the main one listed, but then in a little box somewhere it will be like the mean node, which is always going in reverse by about three minutes of arc per day. After years of research and after Rob Han, who I, I've known and is a wonderful astrologer, he one point said, you know, I think the mean node is actually better than the true node. I don't know if he's changed his mind again. Uh, he uh, One point he gave some a great talk about what are called tertiary progressions up in Seattle, um, there's a Northwest Astrology Organization. I, I think every year they still do uh, conferences, and I was able to go to one, and I listened to what he had to say about progressions. One of the more fascinating talks ever. Uh, I don't have the, the, the cassette tape. It was on cassette tape, and it disappeared a long time ago. But 
uh, I wound up writing a whole article about tertiary progressions for our special moon magazine, which came out, I think it was in 1996, the largest magazine we ever did for the pioneering journal, Welcome to Planet Earth. And um, over, over 100 plus pages and maybe 30 different astrologers writing all different things about the moon. So at some point, I'll probably read from, from that as an audible kind of a thing. So let's move on here. Oh, oh, the other progression um, that's interesting for the World Health Organization is the moon is in Scorpio approaching Chiron. Again, Chiron has so much to do with shamanism and mentors, keys that open doors to higher consciousness, but generally Chiron is connected to the concept of the wounded healer whether that is physically, emotionally, mentally, spiritually. And again, it's a very high spiritual energy as well, and it has a lot to do with soulfulness and, and so on. So the moon is not only approaching the natal Chiron in the World Health Organization chart, and we definitely have a progressed moon for uh, the World Health Organization in Scorpio. The degree placement could be different if, if maybe they open their headquarters at noon or 10 in the morning or 9 in the morning. Probably uh, it was sometime in the morning. So sunrise is an approximation as a symbolic uh, way to do a chart. It could very well be there was some ribbon cutting or something at the World Health Organization. Maybe there is a way to track it down. Maybe somebody knows, oh, they opened their doors at 10 o'clock. Everybody went in there. or Somebody gave a speech at some time. Maybe it was 9 in the morning. Maybe it was noon. But it was most likely early in the day rather than late in the day. So one way or another, the progressive moon, what's called the secondary progressive moon for the World Health Organization is in Scorpio. And Scorpio is one of the key signs, if not the key sign for research and in-depth investigations. So for the progressive moon for the World Health Organization to be in Scorpio, to be approaching the progressed and the natal Chiron makes a whole lot of sense. And also that progressive moon is squaring very exactly the Pluto, Saturn, Mars, triple conjunction in Leo. So that's part of the, the whole test of how well they can do and uh, in this whole effort. Okay, shifting over to the, the Centers for Disease Control chart, again for Sunrise. Very amazing here. So July 1, 1946 in Atlanta, Georgia, we have the sun at um, rising here, if you see that in the chart there. And what's exactly opposite? Pallas Athena. Pallas Athena, the diamond with the cross under it, opposite this point. Now, this is kind of an interesting irony. In the last couple of days, there's this whole other story in the United States, which I may get into as a podcast, about what's happened with the Roger Stone trial. He was the dirty trickster under Nixon. He's been a best friend of the President of the United States. And he's about to be sentenced, I think, on February 20th, seven days from now. And what happened was is that the main prosecutors on Monday of this week, which was February 10, came out and recommended seven to nine years uh, in prison for him lying to Congress and all these other things that he did as an associate of President Trump, things that he shouldn't have done. So he's convicted of that. The prosecutor said seven to nine years, and then uh, the president made a tweet saying this is an outrage. You know, what about the other people on the other side, the Democrats and all the prosecutors, they're bad guys, whatever. And then the next day, um, the Justice Department under William Barr wound up either forcing or somehow making the prosecutors um, say to the judge and, and at the trial, guess what? We don't recommend. This is 24 hours later. Remember we were here yesterday saying seven to nine years? Uh, we don't think it should be that serious. So something happened in there. And now this has created this whole flack the last several days. 
uh, William Barr literally today gave an interview to someone on ABC News where he actually said, which could cross, cause some flack here with the President of the United States, he's saying, hey, the drumbeat of all these tweets by everyone, but particularly the President of the United States, he's quoted as saying, our Attorney General, this is making it impossible for me to do my job. So how that's going to work with the President of the United States, at least this is what the Attorney General has said. By the way, he's supposed to actually appear before the House Judiciary Committee. He said he would do this after a year of stonewalling, and guess when he's supposed to appear? March 31. And what happens on March 31, which I've reported before in many ways, Mars conjuncts Saturn at zero of Aquarius, which is part of this whole focus on zero Aquarius, which is when presidents are inaugurated on January 20th, which began in 1938. The old presidential inauguration day was March 4th. I will get into that at another time. It was changed under President Roosevelt after his first term. This has to do with uh, lame duck sessions and not having such a wide time period between electing a president in November and having them take office. In the old days of Pony Express and newspapers and just the, the, the telegram and the start of the country, 200 um, 24 years ago. Is it 200? Yeah, I think two, 200, no, 244 years ago, sorry, in 1776. Um, in those days, of course, there was no telegram. You had newspapers, barely, I mean, just coming out, periodicals to give people the news or Pony Express and those kind of a things. I don't even think the Pony Express existed in 1789 when, when the country uh, got together and, and began. But early on, March 4th was chosen as the day for the inauguration of presidents. This was after Washington was inaugurated April 30th of 1789. I think I explained in the last podcast of one of them that that was an, a unique situation it happened in New York. Um, Washington, D.C. hadn't even been created. It didn't occur in Philadelphia. So for whatever reason, it happened in New York City. Washington took the oath on April 30th of 1789. And then it was four years later that the tradition began of um, presidents um, taking the oath on March 4th, and that lasted all the way through 1933, and then in, uh, and then in 1937 um, would be the first year that uh, Roosevelt then took the oath of office on January 20th, and we shifted to zero Aquarius, and this is where Mars and Saturn are going to make a conjunction, as well as uh, that'll happen on March 31st, and that's the day, supposedly, that William Barr will be at the House Judiciary Committee, assuming that date doesn't change or other things make it hap need to happen sooner, or he decides not to do it. And if that's the day, just know, here I am talking about it on February 13th. It was just announced, I think, yesterday, and now there's the situation of a whole uproar in the U.S. Justice Department. Well, the reason I'm bringing up the connection here with the CDC, with the Justice Department, is in a previous podcast where I was focused on William Barr in his birth chart. He has the sun in Gemini and the moon in Leo, which is very similar to Rudy Giuliani. And the president of the United States is a sun sign Gemini, as well as Mike Pence, uh, Don McGahn, the former um, attorney for the for the office of the presidency, who guess I guess gave 30 hours of testimony to Robert Mueller and who the president prevented from testifying uh, to the Congress recently for, for the House during the impeachment situation. Well, it turns out that the Justice Department has a chart, and it goes back to July 1 of 1870. And if you go to the Department of Justice 
a website and go to the Wikipedia and other things, you'll see July 1, 1870. So I did a chart for that. And so simultaneously, here's the CDC with also a July 1 birth, but in 1946. And I had just three days ago looked at Pallas Athena exactly opposing um, the sun for the Department of Justice. And the reason that was significant was not because of the meaning of Pallas Athena in regard to immunology and the human immune system, which is what we're talking about here with diseases and illnesses and coronavirus, but it was talking about because Pallas Athena relates to national intelligence, miscarriage of justice, and the ability to sort of work with knowledge and wisdom and problem solving to, to ensure justice in America and throughout our, our our government and for individuals and groups and so on. So this is a weird kind of synchronicity, but it is a true one. CDC, I've never put this chart out before, July 1, 1946. It's a part of the, uh, our government and it's headquartered in Atlanta, Georgia. And simultaneously, you go back to 1870, which was 76 years earlier from the formation of the CDC, July 1 of 1870, um, we have the formation of the Justice Department. What people don't realize is we did have an attorney general. Somebody did have that role under Washington and his two administrations and then Adams and his one administration and Jefferson, there was an attorney general, but there wasn't a Department of Justice as we now have it. That wasn't established until July 1 of 1870. So simultaneously here with the CDC needing to do all kinds of things to protect American citizens and make the right decisions about extracting people from Wuhan, China, wherever we're bringing people, which we have been doing and bringing them to the United States and hopefully then putting them in quarantines and areas for a couple of weeks at a time in the hopes of sorting out if they have these illnesses or not. So this whole thing is very confusing, but it's interesting how there's a linking of sun signs between the Department of Justice, July 1, 1870, formed, founded, beginning, and the, the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, July 1, 1946. So it's interesting then the Centers for Disease Control chart itself permanently has sun opposite Pallas Athena. And that Pallas Athena has just returned in that chart for the CDC over the last couple of weeks as the coronavirus has come around the world and sort of alarm the CDC. How are we going to protect American citizens? How much money are we going to have to spend? What about sending people along with the World Health Organization to China? Are we going to be able to do that? Um, some other things in this chart. Again, this is interesting because I brought up the fact that the President of the United States decreased just recently um, what, we're, what we're trying to ask from the government for fu funding for protection in terms of diseases and illnesses. He's asked for less money because this is something that is going to make our current president different than Obama, President Obama, who was in support of trying to do these kind of things. So it's interesting about this is July 1 of 1946, because here's the weird thing. The president of the United States, the current one, was born June 14 of 1946. When you look around the CDC chart for July 1, that's only... 18 days after the current president of the United States was born. So most of the planetary positions, like you'll see in the in the bottom sweep of this chart, if you look through houses one, two, three uh, of the chart, and four, 
you're going to see Saturn at 25 Cancer. That is the president's the president Saturn because he's born 18 days before and Saturn didn't move very far. You'll see uh, at least for sunrise on this day, Moon conjunct Pluto at 10 plus Leo. That's exactly the president of the United States natal Pluto. You'll see uh, now Venus has moved from the sign Cancer conjunct Saturn in the president's chart President Trump's chart. Now, in this chart, 18 days later, July 1, 1946, Venus is now in Leo and Mars is in Virgo, whereas the President of the United States has a rising Mars, which I've talked a lot about in the sign Leo. However, in the, in the Libra area, the same four celestial bodies that President Trump has, he has more planets in Libra than anywhere else, even though he's a sun sign Gemini with the Sagittarius moon. But 18 days after his birth, when the CDC comes into being, we've got a Neptune in, in early Libra. You'll see that in the fourth house of this chart. Chiron, 15 plus of Libra, that's only moved one degree from where the president has a stationary Chiron. You'll see Juno at 16 plus of Libra, that's only moved two degrees in the 18 days from his birth. And amazingly, Jupiter is still at the same degree, 17 plus of Libra, which I said earlier is opposite the sun degree for the World Health Organization. By the way, July 1 of 1946, with, with the sun at 8 plus of Cancer and the CDC, CDC chart, that is the president of the United States Mercury position. And we know that Mercury or Hermes Trismegistus from ancient Egypt and Greece represented um, an entity or an individual who had vast healing powers and, and the whole idea of the caduceus, which is a symbol of medicine, is connected to that. So the irony and perhaps what's scary about all this is that the CDC, which is getting less money or at least the intent of President Trump, I don't know what happened last year or the year before in funding, but I know it was reported recently, and this is not fake news, that because President Obama was increasing funding for the CDC, one of the alarming things, this happened without even recognizing the whole coronavirus. This happened several weeks ago before this really hit. There was a storyline, oh, our current president is asking for less money for the CDC, and that was going to mean less ability to research and take care of the very things that right now are crucial. So. The fact that I'm sharing this with you, the fact that the CDC came into existence 18 days before, after the president of the United States, the current one was born. Notice also in this chart, you'll see in the 12th house, Uranus, 18 plus a Gemini on the node, on the north node, which is very similar to what President Trump has, although he has the sun there at this very close to that area and the moon opposite, which is another whole issue that I've talked about before that he's born at the total lunar eclipse of June 14, 1946. Now, I just shared that what is going on with the progressions of the World Health Organization, which was founded two years later in 1948, and we see that that's a Sun-Uranus conjunction in the progress chart for the World Health Organization. Natally, the CDC operating in the United States out of our government has a NATO-Uranus North Node conjunction using sunrise in its 12th house, which is a house related to hospitals and things that are done in a sense behind the scenes. Now, here's the other thing that's amazing, which again is a chart that I'm not showing, but I'm looking at it on my computer. The sun in the progress chart for the CDC, which goes to September 13, 1946, 
Um, the CDC is fundamentally 74 years old or will be this summer. So in secondary progressed analysis, we go 74 days where each day after birth, this would be true if you're a person as well. By the way, the, the reports that we have in the, um, in the store, the astrology shop, I mentioned Skylog and Timeline are two of the most important, and they include both transits and progressions. We do actually have a life progression report totally focused on secondary progressions designed by somebody else. And that is just focused not on transits, but on the deeper level of um, progressions based on what I'm talking about here, which to me is still the main progression system. It's been used for hundreds of years. This is not to knock solar arc progressions. Those are often used by certain people and other kinds of progressions. There's a wide variety. But what do we see for September 13 of 1946, which was 74 days after the CDC came into being, which represents 74 years later for their 74th anniversary that will happen on July 1st of this year. The sun has reached 19 plus a Virgo. Not only is 19 plus a Virgo in the sign uh, traditionally related to health and illness, which relates to Mercury, but 19 plus a Virgo is exactly, exactly squaring at right angles the North Node and the South Node from when the CDC came into being on July 1 of 1946. So the sun has moved from 8 plus of Cancer to 19 plus of Virgo. And as the United States has to deal with not just all these issues of you know what's going to happen with the coronavirus and China trade and things like that, but the sun exactly squaring its own north node and south node daintily in the sign of health or illness. That is a gigantic uh, kind of issue and not an easy one. By the way, um, the sun is also um, has just squared Uranus in the CDC chart and will eventually square the progressed Uranus position, and that'll happen over the next two years. So all of this is pretty fascinating. I'm not going to share other things at the moment about that chart. I might in the future. But what I want to do now um, to conclude, again, another fairly lengthy um, session here, is I want to just mention some of the things uh, in closing from these articles. Um, so here we go. Okay, these are pretty much headlines from coming from different areas. Again, the BBC, uh, through Smart News, through uh, Reuters, through NBC, ABC, CBS, and all kinds of other organizations, left, right, center. So I'm just going to go through these a little bit so you get a sense of what I've been downloading. And this I already mentioned. Uh, this is just the, these are just the titles. This is not the information. Uh, so I'm just going to run through these as many as I can. A virus called Wuhan-400 causes outbreak in a Dean Koontz thriller from 1981. How is it that some books appear to prophesy events? Next one. Okay, well, the next one is the same kind of thing, but coming from another source. And then I have another one from the same area. Okay, so let's keep going here. Uh, okay, here's something from something called nationalinterest.org. Again, this is all through, and I recommend this. I'm not saying everything in there is great, but it's pretty fascinating. It's called Smart News. Okay, it's an app, and it covers left, right, center, all these sources all around the world. So here's this other story with the title, 
I am in China watching the coronavirus crisis unfold. Here's what I'm seeing. So this is from nationalinterest.org. Um, again, these are the kind of things where hopefully you'll tune into some of this and then, and then get a sense of what's going on here. Uh, I'm going to keep going through these areas. Okay, how the U.S. is preparing for a major coronavirus outbreak from an organization called Healthline.com. Another title. Top Hong Kong medical expert predicts more than half the global population will contract coronavirus. That doesn't sound all that favorable. That's from something called TheBlaze.com. Uh, again, just the titles. Uh, coronavirus updates, 15th COVID-19 case confirmed in U.S. in U.S. as cases in China reach nearly 60,000. That's coming from NBC News. Fox News, this was interesting. I don't always watch Fox News, but this was an interesting thing. Uh, Fox News, California Lab says it discovered coronavirus vaccine in three hours. This is just from earlier today. Calif and a, a little hint here. Um, California Lab says it discovered coronavirus vaccine in three hours. An American biotech company says it created a coronavirus vaccine three hours after getting access to the virus's genetic sequence on January 9th. And now scientists are racing to get the vaccine on the market in record time. Now, again, we you may see a lot of these stories, and the question will be, is that sort of exaggerated? And again, think about any lab that gets the vaccine. I mean, they're going to be receiving lots of money. Uh, coronavirus cases spike significantly as Chinese officials adopt new counting standards. That was a big thing now. Suddenly we see all these numbers are increasing, alarming the world, because they changed how they calculated things. This is, by the way, this again appeared today. This is from USA Today. So you get a sense of the wide variety of different sources when I go and I get these stories. CDC identifies 13th patient with coronavirus in U.S. This is coming from The Hill. Um, in smart news. The other silent coronavirus threat we need to consider. Um, I think this is the story. Yeah, this is the story. It's from a place called considerable.com. Considerable, like that word. This is an amazing story because this is the thing that talks about all the pharmaceuticals and the equipment that are that come from China, that we are dependent on the United States and other countries are dependent on because a lot of these vaccines, or at least so far over the decades and of recent years, are coming from their research, their labs. And so this would affect our ability if, if China decided, hey, we want to save our own people, this is getting out of hand, they might not be able to provide the same levels of pharmaceuticals and vaccines for other illnesses, you see, that we normally have. Therefore, there could be shortages and we would then push China. So there could be almost a, a warlike environment or arguments or different kind of meetings of not just the World Health Organization, but summit meetings. Hey, hey, we need we need these vaccines and you're not sending them to us. Or what about um, pirating kind of things or, again, monetary kinds of things of a black market developing because people are afraid that we're not going to get and it's not just the United States, it could be Canada, it could be France, it could be anywhere in the world, Indonesia, everywhere. If China has so many of these kind of things. So this story, the other silent coronavirus threat we need to consider from a website called Considerable, um, this was just recently. So I'm giving you the title 
So this relates to pharmaceutical industry in China, as well as medical equipment, other kinds of things that are necessary. And not just medical equipment, but other kinds of things that go into medical equipment if we don't have this. So I, I actually downloaded this twice. Sometimes it looks so fascinating that I wind up downloading these things more than once. Um, I'm not going <laughs> to, there are too many of these. I'm only giving you the most recent ones. Scottsdale surgeon stuck on cruise ship during corona, uh, coronavirus quarantine from a w website called AZ, as in Arrow zorocentral.com so there's a report from that person uh coronavirus pariah cruise ship rejected by five ports docks at last from the bbc uh, tourist test positive for coronavirus eight days after re return from bali chinese authorities uh, from something called the jakarta post obviously from indonesia uh, let's see, get you a couple others here. Uh, this is from yesterday, February 12th. Official coronavirus cases near 50,000, but the CDC isn't buying it. And this is from ccn.com. Now, you see, that becomes alarming. Like, what information are we getting? Not We know that China has an autocratic system. There's a whole bunch of issues on that. And there are... Ex there are movements within China because different, there was, I mentioned this the last time in the part one, a particular doctor, an ophthalmologist was basically a whistleblower of all this. And then the government, the Chinese government tried to, to prosecute him and he either died or became very sick. This came through CNN and it was not a fake story. And then it was reported from somewhere else. So um, there are a lot, there's a lot of outrage in China. There's a whole bunch of things about people being turned away from hospitals. And they built a hospital in like 10 days, which was an amazing effort. And they show these pictures of these hospital beds like two feet apart, hundreds of beds. I mean, how good is that going to be, you know, to just put a whole bunch of people who might have, um, may or may not have a virus all together in one giant group. So these are the kind of things that you start wondering, like, what is going on here? Okay. Uh, Again, from yesterday, Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. For, well, this is the Wikipedia. I would just suggest you're going there uh, for some of these places or to, to research, going through Google, Safari, and these other places to uh, check out what is happening. Um, nightmare for Global Tech. Virus fallout is just the beginning from Bloomberg.com. So that, that has to do with sort of what I was saying before about pharmaceuticals and other kinds of things. The China... The, it's not just how do we cure this thing or find a vaccine or make sure it doesn't affect more and more people, but it has to do um, with other things that are going on um, with what comes out of China um, having to do with their pharmaceutical uh, area and so many other things. Coronavirus expert says he knows when the virus will burn itself out, according to leaked analysis. And that's from AccuWeather. Dot com. This had to do with something even the president of the United States, I think, picked up on this a few days ago, not so long ago, where he said, hey, it'll get warmer. The flu only uh, happens when it's when it's cold, when it when it's damp, when the when things heat up. And to some extent, that's generally true, whether it's going to be true with this or not. But that was from AccuWeather, which is interesting. And then I, I downloaded, sorry to laugh about this, but I downloaded that one twice. Sometimes I start reading then I don't even know if I downloaded it in order to make sure that I definitely did. Um, then here we go. Okay. 
ABC News, coronavirus death toll tops 1,000 as health officials give it a new name. So that was on Tuesday. That was two days ago. Uh, here's, an, uh, here's another one from Tuesday, February 11th. Scientists say at least 500,000 people may become infected with the coronavirus in Wuhan, in Wuhan before it peaks in the coming weeks. That's from Business Insider. Okay, so that's just there in Wuhan. China is spraying entire city blocks to contain outbreak from futurism.com. Uh, what else do we have here? Okay, from Monday, February 10th, scientists worry coronavirus could evolve into something worse than flu, says quarantine expert. That's from CNBC. Uh, what else do we have here? Okay, from Monday again, AP, the Associated Press, AP News, China's, China's daily death toll from virus tops 100 for first time. So a lot of this has to do with uh, that on Monday, February 10th, that's when the death toll reached 1,000 in general. Uh, from Monday, coronavirus cover-up threatens to topple the Chinese government from CCN. Okay, well, I already sort of indicated there are these alarming things that are going on there. And in many ways, rightly so, the people are revolting. You know, they don't want to be prosecuted by authorities. And they certainly don't want a whistleblower who was an ophthalmologist who's trying to warn everybody to be shut up or prosecuted. Uh, another one from February 10th. Expert warns coronavirus could be impossible to contain following worrying study. It's from a place called news.com AU. Um, an Asia expert warns coronavirus could be impossible to contain following worrying study. Now, I just want to also say something that's interesting. I saw something where a person said, hey, this is just going to be like the common cold. So these things run from like, it's the end of the world, you know, and like the Spanish flu from 102 years ago. And I did mention something about the Spanish flu. And I did research about this quite a long time ago. And that was really fascinating to see what happened at the end of World War One, from uh, in 19, at the end of, uh, in 1918, basically, throughout that whole year. Uh, okay, there is a place called the South China Morning Post. I don't, I hope that it's reliable. I think it's, it's pretty interesting, um, some of the stories that are coming out of there. So investigate this. This is interesting, again, from Monday. And I'm, I think I'm going to stop here in a minute because this is another really long podcast, but I think you'll get a lot out of it. South China Morning Post. Why Xi Jinping, the, the current president of China, uh, why he is the man for me from Vladimir Putin uh, highlights birthday party with good friend from China, a sign of growing closeness. This actually happened a number of years ago. What's interesting is that Putin is very close um, to Xi, okay, the two presidents. The current president of China came in in 19, uh, 2012, so he's been in power for eight years. Putin has been in power for just just a ridiculously long time, ever since the early 1990s, one way or another, after uh, becoming, I guess he was the vice president under Boris Yeltsin. And that goes back to when the Soviet Union became uh, Russia and G Gorbachev left office in, and gave it to Boris Yeltsin a couple of years later, then Putin came in and wound up pretty much running the show. Uh, but at any rate, they, they're very close. And one of the things is that Xi is also Xi has a sun sign Gemini, and he's born within one day of Trump. Again, he's younger. So is Putin. Uh, Trump is the older of the three between Putin and Xi. 
But uh, it's interesting, too, that even Obama, President Obama was born with the moon in Gemini, the same moon position as Putin. So even though they were not on the same page together, and, and certainly Putin and President Trump, for various reasons, are buddies. They have the, their Marses are exactly trying. And there's so many other things in their charts which show why uh, our current president um, adheres to the more authoritarian, uh, autocratic type behavior. I think anyone who who looks at anything sees that. Some people like that. For some reason, I don't. <laughs> That's my personal opinion. I just don't think a president of the United States, and as I explained before, should do these transactional deal-making things with other leaders because uh, to have a bromance with Kim Jong-un doesn't help us if suddenly Kim Jong-un isn't feeling well or is out of power or suddenly disappears or something bad happens to him, then what we what do we do? Um, this is part of the reason why no other previous presidents would have meetings with him. Uh, President Trump thinks, well, he can form a personal rapport, but you don't know if that same leader is going to be there the next day. And those leaders do not have four years and then you have to run for re-election. So if you look at Putin, if you look at Kim Jong-un, if you look at Bashar al-Assad, those are not, or the guy in the Philippines or now the Turkish president Erdogan, they don't have to run again. Okay. It's not like France. It's not like the prime minister in England or even, even the prime minister in Israel, although he's trying to hold on to power a whole lot. So what what our current president really likes is, hey, those systems, you don't have to you know, go back to the voters every four years. You can do your own thing in your own way and do whatever you want. So there is a, a, an amazing connection with the moons and the suns and with different presidential figures. Um, the Again, the South China Morning Post, a masked um, Xi Jinping, the, the president of China, warns of, quote, grim, unquote, fight as corona death toll tops 900. That was just on Monday. Chinese President Xi Jinping said on Monday that China's fight against the coronavirus outbreak, which has exposed the country's vulnerabilities, remained grim, but called on officials to have full confidence they would triumph over the disease. Listen, I'm this is too long, so I'm not going to keep on going with all this. But there are all kinds of uh, worries um, Again, I'll do one more. 40,000 coronavirus cases may be, quote, tip of the iceberg, unquote, as death toll nears 1,000, USA Today. Again, this was just on Monday. So I probably have three dozen more of these, even more. Uh, another one from Sunday. Definitely too late to stop spread of coronavirus, experts says from the New York Post. So I hope I haven't given you too much fear in all this. To me, it's very fascinating what I would say at the end, we have to protect ourselves. The As I said in the previous podcast, when I was reading from um, the uh, graphic ephemeris of, of, of sensitive degrees by Eleanor Bach, and I was reading Pallas Athena in its relationship to immunology, we do have the four asteroids and Chiron report where you can read about your Chiron and some of the mythology and the archetypes. It's, I said Chiron. Yes, Chiron, but also Pallas Athena. Uh, it may not focus on immunology in that particular report, but you'll get a sense of where uh, the four main asteroids are, where Pallas Athena is at in terms of its house position and its sign position and any major alignments. And it's just important to value the asteroids and Chiron. And we have one of those reports is very unique. It's not all that expensive. We have various uh, discounts that uh, depending on 
when you look on our website, there may be a, a discount. You have to put a code number in there to get the discount. And these can be really fascinating to learn more about um, the asteroids and Chiron. So thank you very much for listening. I hope I don't have to do a third one of these. I certainly don't want to do another one of these right now or in the near future. But as events warrant, if things get out of hand or major revelations, we'll certainly take an, another look at China's chart, our own chart, as well as connections back to now creating the, the World Health Organization birth chart and the CDC birth chart. They're all very fascinating. So thank you again uh, for listening. Many blessings. Bye for now.